You know, there was a, uh, a king who lived 3,000 years ago, and yet you and I still remember his name. He was a king who was kind and fair and very successful, only it's not for that that we remember him. I would guess that almost all of us here remember him, mostly because he was impulsive in what he spoke. You see, King Midas's story begins in a simple walk one day in his rose garden. And it's that walk that, that now makes him a legend in Greek mythology, right? Because on that walk, he stumbled across in his rose garden a mythical creature called a satyr whose favorite companion was a mythical god, Dionysus. Okay? And, and King Midas treated this, this satyr really, really well and, and, and welcomed him into his home and then returned him back to Dionysus later. And Dionysus was so grateful that King Midas took good care of this creature that he gave King Midas one wish, anything that he wanted. And without thinking it through too clearly, King Midas simply wished, he said, I wish that everything that I would touch would turn to gold. Right? So King Midas returned to his palace that day, and he experienced the, the thrill of, of turning things into gold. He touched his palace walls, and they became pure gold. He touched the palace gate, and it was pure gold. He went back into his rose garden, touched these little flowers, and and the, the red roses turned solid gold. It was beautiful. It was glorious. Until he got hungry and sat down to eat dinner. And every time he touched a bit of food that he wanted to eat, it turned into inedible gold. And, and then he was thirsty, so he poured the water into his mouth. And before he could swallow it, that water turned into solid gold. And he couldn't quench his thirst. After this long day, this long day dragged on, he got tired, went to lay down on his bed, and as he laid down on his bed, the bed itself and the pillow turned into hard gold, and the frustration mounted for him. Then that evening, his daughter came to visit, and he reached out to touch the daughter that he loved, and she turned into a statue of pure gold. And he realized that his choice, his decision, his wish, his words had been a poor, poor choice. And so he went back to Dionysus and, and he begged him, please, please undo everything that I've touched that's turned to gold. And please take away this request that I made that has turned into a curse instead. And Dionysus was gracious to him. He undid everything. His daughter became human again. The roses turned into flowers again. And his touch didn't turn anything into gold. And I think he was grateful. <laughs> grateful that he lost all that he had impulsively wished for. Now, you and I, we know that story, most of us, I would guess. Now we need to learn from that story. You see, we need to learn from King Midas to be very, very careful with what we wish for and what we ask for, especially when we are talking to God. So just a minute ago, we all together recited the Lord's Prayer, which, by the way, is your scripture reading for this morning, too, from Matthew chapter 6, the prayer that Jesus taught us. 
And like Midas, I'm not sure that, that you and I completely understood what we asked for when we recited that prayer. Okay, so we started that prayer by, by recognizing and honoring who we are talking to, who we're praying to, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, holy be your name. You are worthy, right? And then came our first request, and we boldly declared the desire of our hearts. We said, the desire of our hearts, God, is that your kingdom come and your will be done here on this earth as it is already being done in heaven. Profound words that my guess is you and I recited and spoke without really thinking about what they really mean. Without really thinking about how those words, if God granted our requests, would change our lives, would shape our daily choices and actions. I think like Midas, like Midas we might have impulsively made that request without understanding and thinking about what we really asked for. And so this morning on this 4th of July weekend, when we're thinking about country, when we're thinking about freedom, when we're thinking about loyalty and commitment, this is the perfect time for us to think about our commitment and our allegiance and our loyalty to another kingdom and to another king, a higher kingdom and a higher king. So we need to ask ourselves this morning, do we really mean what we said? Do we mean it when we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Do we really want God's kingdom to come and his will to be done? Do we really want heaven to come down here on earth? You know, when we reach desperate places in our lives, I think, yes, then we long for his kingdom to come. We want heaven on earth. When someone that we love dearly is facing cancer and, and the brokenness and the pain that that brings, then we pray, God, I pray your healing kingdom would just come and put an end to all this suffering. When, when we feel frustrated and defeated in life, we pray, God, your, your, may your victorious kingdom come into my defeat. When when the world seems to be falling apart all around us, read the news and see terrorism and natural disasters and war, and we pray, God, I pray that your peaceful kingdom would come soon and fix all this brokenness. So yes, we do. But what about when things are going well? What about when you are really, really satisfied and happy with your life? Do you really want God's kingdom to come then? And do you really want his will to be done then? Right? When you found the love of your life and you can't wait to get married or you just got married and you're dreaming of, of decades of wedded bliss together, do you say, God, I want your kingdom to come right now? When your job is good, your income is steady, your family is comfortably settled into, into a, a great home and a good neighborhood and a school that you love, do you say, God, I want your kingdom to come now, right now. Change all this. What about when you've retired and, and now you are finally able to enjoy travel or if God's blessed you with grandkids to enjoy grand, grandkids for a while? Do you say, God, I want your kingdom to come here. I want you to change everything right now. We need to know what we're asking for if we're really going to ask God's kingdom to come and his will to be done. 
You see, when, when we pray that prayer and when we mean it, we are making three definitive statements, three bold declarations about this world and about our own lives. First of all, we are declaring that there is a king, and that king is not you, and that king is not me. That king is not any of us. And that may sound really obvious, right? Of course, we know that. We, we, we profess that. We talk about that often. But it's easy to talk theologically about God being king, about him holding the throne of our hearts. It's a lot harder to live that out, right? Words are easy. Our actions prove otherwise. Because you and I, we live like we are kings and queens in control of our own lives. And we rule our own days and our own choices and our own decisions. But we need to boldly declare, not just to others around us, but to ourselves first of all, that God is king and we are not. And if we truly believe that, if we, if we say that, if we mean that when we say, God, I want you to be king, then that truth is going to be more than just empty words that we speak. It will have a profound application to how you live your life and how I live my life. Right? When we pray, God, your kingdom come, we're saying, God, you be king, and that means you come and take control of all my money. I'll do what you command me to do with it. If you, if you ask me to tithe 10%, I'll start right now. If you want me to invest my money in kingdom causes rather than vacation causes, I'll do it right now. If you want me to help pay someone else's Christian school tuition or, or support outreach like we just collected this morning, I'll do that right now. If you want me to be satisfied in a small house so that I have more to give for kingdom causes, I'll do that right now. Are you ready to say all that? Most of us aren't. When we pray your kingdom come, we're saying, God, you be king. And that means you come take control of my time. I will command, I will do whatever you command me to do with it. And if you want me to stop watching Netflix and start volunteering to tutor kids after school instead, I'll do it. If you want me to pay less attention to sports and more attention to my kids, I'll do it. If you want me to read fewer novels and read your word more often, I will do it. If you, if you want me to use up all my vacation time to, to go to South Carolina with a youth group on a mission trip or some other trip, I'll do it. Whatever you say to do with my time, I'll do. Are you ready to say that? Most of us, eh, maybe not. When we pray your kingdom come, we're saying, God, as king, take control of my mouth. I will say what you command me to say. If you, if you tell me to stop gossiping, I'll stop gossiping. If you want me to stop complaining, I'll stop complaining. If you want me to stop being the one who keeps rumors going and said be the one who stops them and reverses them, that's what I'll do. If you want me to speak to my neighbor, my coworker, about Jesus and about my faith journey, I'll do it. If you want me to share my story, what you've done in my life with my kids and my grandkids or my life group or maybe even up front here in church, I will do it. Whatever you say, God, because you're king. Are you ready to say that? 
And we pray your kingdom come. We're saying, God, you as king, take control of my eyes. I'll only look at what you tell me to look at. Take control of my feet. I will go where you tell me to go. Take control of my phone. Take control of my computer. Take control of my car, my family, my career, my hobby. And the list goes on. Take control of everything, God. And be king. You be king. Are you ready to say that? Most of us probably aren't. And we prove we're not ready because we haven't let God be king. We're busy controlling our own lives. We do what we want to do. And we go where we want to go. And we spend where we want to spend. Who we believe is king is not determined by the words we speak. It's determined by how we live our lives about who we let be in control of our lives. So know right up front that there's a king, and that king isn't any of us. Secondly, when we pray your kingdom come, we're declaring that there is another kingdom. There is another kingdom that must come and overcome the kingdom of this world that we are so comfortable with and that we are so familiar with. There are new expectations and new rules and new standards for, those, for us to live by, not the rules and standards and expectations of this world. And we recognize that God ushers this new kingdom into this earth through us, the church. We, the church, are the very front lines for the coming kingdom of God. We get to show this world what God's kingdom looks like. Right? Acts 2:42. Hopefully they're verses you've heard before because they give us a glimpse of what God's kingdom coming and infiltrating this world, this culture, this earth looks like. Listen to this. It says that that early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property, possessions, to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There's a glimpse of what God's coming kingdom looks like when it arrives on this earth, when it arrives in this community. It, it doesn't come in huge ways. It starts small. It starts small in a community like ours. And then begins to grow from there. Begins to expand from there. Right? Think, about, think about how World War II was won. Right? In, order, in World War II, in order for the Allies to be victorious, they needed to get one little foothold in enemy territory. Because the Axis powers controlled all of Europe. And, 
And if that was going to change, the allies needed to win some place in enemy territory where their conquest could begin. And that place was the beaches of Normandy, right? They paid a terribly high price to, to get a foothold on that, those just few miles of beach in France. But from that little plot of land, all of Europe was eventually won for the Allied cause, right? We, the Church of Jesus Christ, here planted in enemy territory, right? In a world that's broken by sin. We are God's foothold from which he will transform this world. We are the beachhead from where God's kingdom will come and expand and grow and conquer. And like the allies on D-Day, our God paid an awfully high price for this community. He paid the price of Jesus, his own son, nailed to a cross. And that sacrifice now becomes the foothold upon which he establishes the church. And from the church planted here in enemy territory, God will move one step at a time to bring his kingdom here to this earth. And you and I need to be the kind of community through which God can usher in his kingdom. Like the early church, we must allow the kingdom of God to develop within us so that it will go out to the world through us. We must devote ourselves to the teaching of the word. We must be committed to the fellowship of believers. We must be reminded that Jesus is king through the breaking of bread and of the ultimate sacrifice that he paid. We must connect to our king through prayer. And how did the early church accomplish all of these kingdom purposes? It says that they shared their possessions together. And they, and they gathered together to hear God's word. And, and they opened their homes to each other in love. And they lived lives that impacted people around them. Kingdom lives where people said, wow, I want that. I want that kind of community. I want that kind of love. I want Jesus. And many people were brought into the kingdom. The kingdom of God came. So when you and I pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. We are committing ourselves to making this community called Ivan Rest Church the kind of place where God can expand his kingdom into our neighborhoods and into our communities, and into our office places, and into our schools, and into our city, and into our world. Are you and I ready to make that kind of commitment? Are you ready to not just listen to the word of God, but let it change your life? Are you ready not just to sit with a bunch of people for an hour on Sunday mornings, but to really learn to love them and invest in this community? Are you ready to learn to love each other deeply? Are you ready to do your best to live according to God's guidelines so this world will see you living differently and want what you have? Are you ready to, to listen to your king, to God himself, through serious times of prayer? 
When you pray your kingdom come, your will be done, you are committing yourself to this community through which God is going to transform the world. And finally, thirdly, we need to recognize that when we pray your kingdom come, we're declaring that there is an enemy fighting against God and fighting against his kingdom purposes. There is spiritual warfare going on that that we are engaged in daily, that we like to pretend isn't happening, that we like to pretend doesn't matter to us, but there is an enemy attacking God through you, attacking this kingdom, holding this kingdom back. And he's he's using all kinds of powers to do that. Whether he's advancing false religions or secularism throughout our nation and throughout the world to keep people away from the one true God. Or sometimes he's using tragedy and heartbreak to drive doubts and fears into people's hearts about the goodness of God. Sometimes he's using political and and judicial systems to work against the ways of God. He's using hypocrisy within the church to turn people away from the kingdom. There is an enemy out there that needs to be destroyed, that is doing battle day in and day out against God's purposes for the church, for us, his kingdom purposes. And we need to be engaged in that battle out there. And we also need to be engaged in that battle right in here. Because there's an enemy in here that needs to be destroyed. There's a battle raging within each one of us. And there's things within us that need to be destroyed. There are desires within us that need to be destroyed. There are habits within us that need to be destroyed. There are comfortable, lifelong patterns for living that need to be destroyed. There are priorities in my life and your life that need to be destroyed. And when we pray your kingdom come, we give God permission to destroy the enemy within us as well as the enemy around us. Are you ready to give God that permission? There's a king and it's not any of us, it's God. And there's a kingdom and it's not ours, it's God's kingdom. And there is an enemy, Satan himself, who needs to be driven out of our lives and out of our world. God, we want your kingdom to come here and now. Someday that kingdom is going to come with all of its glory. We, we just sang about that a few minutes ago. The trumpet is going to sound and Jesus is going to come down and return in awesome power and glory and majesty. And all wrongs will be made right and every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. And it's going to be glorious. That final victory. But until that day, heaven comes to earth bit by bit, piece by piece. It comes to earth, it comes to earth when Jesus comes in power and majesty into your heart and my heart and into your life and my life. It comes to earth when your eyes see Jesus in the daily experiences of your life and when your knees bow to Jesus in service and obedience and when your tongue speaks of Jesus and tells of his goodness and glory and love. Heaven comes to earth right now when we let God be king of our kingdoms. 
because you and I are the beachhead deep in enemy territory. And from our lives, from this church, the kingdom of God expands day by day, moment by moment, little by little, life by life, as we usher in the kingdom of God. Your kingdom come, God. Your will be done. Be careful what you pray for. Because if God decides to grant that request that you prayed just a few moments ago, it will mean radical life changes for you. It will mean sacrifice. It will mean service. It may mean giving up some earthly comforts and control for godly priorities. But it will also mean the glory of seeing God's kingdom come. Are you ready to pray that? Would you pray with me? God, our Father, King of kings and Lord of lords, we have one simple request this morning. May your kingdom come and may your will be done.